We're coming to the home stretch. I remember a while back we were planning and looking ahead and thinking, well, it's still going to be like a month or two months, but let's start getting organized for this life on mission. And here we are, week six. It's astonishing how quickly time goes by. And... Uh, as we wrap up this series, next Sunday, of course, is Easter, and we'll be celebrating uh, the resurrection of Christ. We'll be having a baptism, maybe two, maybe three. If God is touching your heart, and you know this is the time for you to declare your faith in baptism, come and see me, would you? Come see me right after the service, and let's have that conversation. We've got the musical that's going to be this coming Saturday night. It, yeah, it's that close. So if you haven't invited someone, take your invitation card. If you've misplaced it, we've got some on the back table. Grab an invitation card. Invite someone to come and join you. And we want to really celebrate what the Lord is, has done for us. We celebrate in song. We celebrate in worship. And then, of course, Sunday morning we'll be gathering again and we'll be having fellowship. Uh, it's going to be a different kind of a service. I'm going to give you opportunities on those sheets that I handed out. That little witness, my witness sheet, if you've lost it. I'm not going to ask if you've lost it. <laughs> There's a spare outside. You'll find some spares outside. Uh, so I'm going to give you an opportunity maybe to share your favorite verse, a verse that has touched your life. Or God has been doing something in your life. And I'm going to give you a brief opportunity to share that. And everyone's not going to have a chance to share everything, otherwise we'd be here all day. Maybe that would be a good idea. What a wonderful way to celebrate the resurrection of Christ and to spend a day in worship. The early church would spend days together in prayer, waiting upon God. How wonderful to spend days waiting upon God and worshiping Him and sharing our story of faith and sharing what Christ is doing in our lives and how He's teaching us and leading us on. Come this Sunday, discover. And of course afterwards, there's going to be a little bit of something tasty. I won't tell you too much, otherwise you won't be listening to the message. And there'll be a treasure hunt for the kids. Uh, so lots of fun for the whole family, as well as lots of opportunity to worship. And of course, on Saturday the 27th, we've got the Love Truro. If you haven't had a chance to fill in there on one of the sheets, would you look at those sheets on your way out for an opportunity to serve? Because serving is also about what our mission has been. And it's going to be our continuing mission. So please don't think that because we're completing this series of life on mission that, oh, now I can put, I, I don't need to think about sharing my faith anymore. I don't need to think about worshiping God anymore. I don't need to think about looking for people to connect with or worship or, or serve. Folks, when you first learned how to drive, did you say, got my license, now I can put that in the drawer, I'll never have to drive another car, right? <laughs> no, you said, wonderful, now I am ready to go out there and hit the roads and enjoy and use the vehicle and, 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 and drive it and experience. Folks, 
going through this series is so that we can be about God's business. Not so that we can just say, yes, check, did that, let's go on and do something else now. No, we want to be on mission for Christ. We want to be in this life mission. We've been asking two questions. What is my life mission? And the second one is, am I on mission? In the business world, they have two questions they ask. They say, what's your business? And then they ask, how's business? In order to keep people on track, in order to keep them focused, if the world of industry recognizes the need to be focused, how much more ought we as believers in Christ to be focused about the work that our Father has set us to? Jesus always said, I must be about my Father's business. And he was constantly serving the Father and honoring the Father in what he said and what he did. What's my life mission? Am I on mission? These are the key questions. And over the past five weeks, we've been looking at the different subjects. First, we discussed what it is to be an ambassador for Christ. And then, how do I connect with others around me? How do I see those that God wants to touch with his message, his good message, his wonderful message, the good news of Christ? Who is, who is there? Who can I see that other people don't see? Who has God put in my path? And then how do I serve the people that I see? What can I do to serve and minister to them? How can we bless them? And as people ask me, I want to share my faith story. What has Christ done for me? And I want to share that story with you. And incidentally, at the last Sunday of this month, we're going to be having the chat and chew with the pastor again, and that'll be after the last Sunday of this month. And we'll be discussing a little bit more about how do I share my faith story. And we'll be looking at that, and I'll be sharing with you some ways and techniques that you can use to share your faith story in a way that is understandable because it's easy for us to kind of get caught up in the story and ramble and not be clear so that people can understand what it is that Jesus has really done for us and can do for them. And then as we've looked at that, we also last week looked at how do I grow in my faith? But I spent a lot of time last week also saying you can't grow in your faith if you don't have faith. You must first become a child of God in order to grow as a child of God. And so we looked at that together. And today we want to talk about prayer. Praying for the mission. And it may not quite be the approach that you were expecting. But it's a surprising approach that we see as it's nestled throughout the Old and New Testament. Prayer. Prayer for the mission. We started our whole series with this verse in Acts chapter 1 and verse uh, 8. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's where we started that long five weeks ago, almost six weeks ago, right? You will be my what? Witnesses. My witnesses. And how will you be my witnesses? You will receive the power to be my witnesses through my spirit, says the Lord. And then in the second week, we looked, and I'm going to ask our wonderful red team back there uh, if they would read this verse for me in the overflow area all together but go and learn what this means I desire mercy not sacrifice for I have not come to call the but they remember <laughs> I knew I could count on you so we looked there and we saw that Jesus saw the people that others didn't see, right? Okay, didn't want to have to go back. And as we looked at that, we realized that God puts people in our path. And the wonderful thing is one day Jesus saw us and he called us and he invited us to be part of his family. Now this group here, you're going to have to beat what those guys did. And I'm going to have you read for me. And it says, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, all right. And we looked at serving, right? And then we looked at sharing. Now you guys are about double what the other groups were, so I'm expecting double the volume here. But in your hearts, Amen. Well done. Sharing our story when asked with gentleness and respect and then bringing it home we have you guys are going to outdo them all aren't you right all right don't copy but by then Not bad. I, I'm kind of thinking we had a little more strength here, but a few more bodies. And uh, but the enthusiasm, I think, has to go back to Team Red. Uh, God's word guides us through and reminds us, and we need to embed God's word in our hearts. We really do. Today we want to focus on prayer. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, And pray in the Spirit. When? What, how, how are we to do it? 
All right, let's do this one together, shall we? And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. What does that mean? We know about asking God for things that we want or things that we need, but what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? And why would the Apostle phrase it like that? Why doesn't he just say, raise up your prayers to God and, and do it frequently? Why do you suppose he puts it like this? The rest of the verse goes like this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always, what? For all the Lord's people. Then, for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. There's that word ambassador again. And then I may declare it fearlessly as I should. He says, pray in the Spirit. Prayers, requests, keep on praying. Pray also, pray that. Do you think he's talking about prayer? When you start seeing scriptures repeating a phrase or an idea over and over again and, and in different ways, you kind of get the message that he's giving us the message, right? And yet, in most of our churches, I find that the weakest area of all of our churches is prayer. is prayer. The area that will drive people away quicker than anything else is prayer. The thing that puts fear in our hearts more than anything else and sleep on our eyes more than anything else is prayer. I wonder if maybe we're doing it wrong. I never got the impression in reading through scripture that prayer put the apostle to sleep. I never got the impression that prayer put Jesus to sleep. It put his disciples to sleep. Jesus is in the garden. He's weeping as it were, and sweating as it were, drops of blood, and his disciples are sleeping. He's saying, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. And they are sleeping. We are in a day of danger and temptation. We are in a day when our faith is put to the test more than any other. Certainly in our lifetimes. And are we sleeping? This message is about prayer. And I want us to think about prayer in a new way. Well, it's not really a new way. It's just in a New Testament way. And it's not just a New Testament way. It's also an Old Testament way because it's the way that we see throughout the Word of God. Stories are told 
And they're not always biblical stories, but they kind of look like biblical stories. And the story is told of a pastor who died and went to heaven, and he was waiting for his mansion in heaven as the Lord had promised. Uh, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again. Yeah, I go to prepare a place for you. So the pastor's there in heaven. He's waiting for the place, and he's in line, and there in front of him is a, is a cab driver. Anyone here ever taken a cab ride? Anyone been to New York and taken a cab ride? You're still here to tell about it. Okay. Well, this cab driver's in front of him, and the cab driver is about to receive his mansion in heaven, and he goes forward, and he is given this beautiful mansion, a glorious place. He said, go up, brother, enjoy. And the pastor sees this, and his eyes open wide. Well, he's a cab driver, and I've been a pastor all my life, and I've been serving God and doing all these wonderful things. And he comes up, and he, he says, and now my place? And he says, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a little shack down there. Just, oh, you can almost, well, if you go around the corner, you can see it from there. Just keep walking. And the pastor says, oh, the cab driver got this beautiful mansion. And I'm going for this little shack that you can, you can almost see it from way over there. What happened? Why, why? I thought I would get something beautiful. And he said, well, yeah, you did some great things, and we really appreciate it. And, and I know there are many saints who got a wonderful rest while he preached. <laughs> and they caught up on their sleep, and, and you know, it, it, you did some great stuff. But the cab driver... Whenever he drove, people prayed. <laughs> you preached once a week, but this man, he had led people to prayer daily. So, <laughs> well, I can't vouch for the truthfulness of the story, but you get the idea. So I say to you, Jesus said, his disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he shared with them what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, we know how that goes. And most of us don't realize that following after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus continued to teach his disciples about prayer in Luke's Gospel. And it reads like this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. receives. And the one who seeks Christ. and to the one who knocks the Which of your fathers of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or ask for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You remember this portion? There are a lot of portions of scripture that just seem to have fallen off the page for us. This portion on asking, seeking, knocking, 
Does that sound like someone who is being casual or indifferent? Or is this a person who is truly searching for an answer? That they really desire to know God's will in a matter. And Jesus is telling us to pursue our 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 requests before God in such a manner that we are actively seeking an answer. We want to know what God thinks about this. We are, we are, we are looking. We are knocking at the door. We are wanting answers. We are persevering in it. And what is it that God wants us to have? He wants us to have more of Him. And yet we will settle for I need a raise, or I, I need, you know, I need to get my house fixed, or, or my, my left ankle hurts, and, and I need that healed. And, and we pursue all kinds of things and requests when we should be on our faces saying, Lord, I want more and more and more of you. I want your Holy Spirit that you have promised. God desires to give us more of himself. As you read through the Old Testament, you will see that God all along has been wanting to dwell with his people. When he created Adam and Eve, it was a place where God could walk with them in the cool of the evening and they could have conversations. And then sin entered the world and we were cast out of that place where we could have close, intimate conversation with God. And after that, God sought to dwell with mankind. And we see how he even arranged to have a temple built, a tabernacle, a tent where he would dwell with his people. But his people kept wandering from him and turning to idols. And we're told in Scripture that in heaven, once again, God will be among his people. And we will dwell with God. There will be no temple in heaven because that is the very throne of God. God desires to be with us. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? David prayed like this. He had sinned against God. And he said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And he goes on to say, and then I will teach sinners to come to you and encourage them in their walk with you. Then I will be a witness for you. David is recognizing that he had sinned against God and he is reflecting back on his predecessor, King Saul, who had sinned against God and had not repented. And the Spirit of God which had been upon Saul, we speak of the Holy Spirit coming upon people in the Old Testament in terms of an anointing. He comes upon them. He anoints them for a particular ministry. He would come upon a king and anoint a king for ministry. He would come upon an individual and anoint them for the, to, to prophesy and to speak his message. 
And though the Spirit came upon a person, the Spirit would also leave a person in the Old Testament times. And so David is crying out, don't take my, your spirit from me. Clean my heart. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation. I think one of the reasons there are so many joyless Christians is because we have so many Christians who still are trying to live with unconfessed sin in their lives. We try to imagine that we can live with God and close fellowship with God, but still allow sin a place in our hearts. David knew that that wouldn't work. And so he's praying for a willing spirit. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about fellowship with God. We're talking about closeness with God. In the Old Testament, God spoke through his prophets and he said this, I will give you a new heart. This is what David was praying for, wasn't it? I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put what? Is this a New Testament concept or an Old Testament concept? Is God inventing a new thing or is this something that he has desired all along? I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. God has desired that we would walk with him and know him and experience him, that we would be a people of God. In the New Testament, we read where the, the apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus, and it's the same, same basic idea that you'll see also in, uh, in uh, Colossians. He says, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. So last week we were talking about that hearing of the message of truth and, and having our faith in Christ and then growing in our faith. He says, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel or good news of your salvation, when you believed, when you put your faith in Christ, when you put your faith in Christ, you were marked in him, that is in Jesus. You were marked, you were identified as a child of God, as belonging to Jesus. How were you marked? You were marked with a seal. And what was that seal? The promised Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit. There can be no new life without the giver of life, the Holy Spirit, who puts his life in us. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he spoke to him about being born again or having a new life. And Nicodemus said, I don't get it. And Jesus said, what do you mean you don't get it? You're a teacher of the, 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 the law? You're a teacher of God's word and you don't understand this? You don't understand what... King David said, you don't understand what the prophet Ezekiel said? 
You are marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Who is what? A deposit. Uh, another translation puts it an earnest. And uh, any accountants among us here today? Yes, one. I see that hand. Any other accountants, bookkeepers? What is an earnest in accounting? Do you still use that term? No. An earnest used to be what you gave when you, when you bought a house. You had to put down an earnest. Today we call it a down payment. Because if you don't put down the down payment, there's no indication that you intend to carry through with that purchase. So he is the earnest, the deposit, the down payment, if you will, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of God's glory. How do I know that I will go to heaven? Well, I put my faith in Jesus. He died for me. But more than that, God has demonstrated his love for me in putting his Holy Spirit in me and leading me on so that I will be where God wants me to be at the end of the days, the end of my days. Luke wrote in his first book in the Gospel, uh, and it's, that's the former book here. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs of his resurrection. And Jesus appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is not a singular occurrence in Scripture where God is desiring to dwell with his people or desiring to dwell with you or place his spirit within you. You will find it throughout Scripture. And this term baptized in the Holy Spirit we see what it looks like in the book of Acts as individuals experience the power of God. First, the Jews who had been waiting upon Jesus. They'd been waiting in an upper room in prayer. And the Spirit came upon them and came upon them with power so that they boldly proclaimed the word of God and people around them began to hear. They had a special manifestation which was called the gift of tongues. And as they spoke out, they identified with this gift. And then a little bit later, they saw others also being accepted by God and also speaking out in this new language or languages. And then a little bit later in the book of Acts, we see non-Jews, non those called Gentiles, being accepted by God. And what was a witness to the 
apostles and disciples that these Gentiles were now being accepted into the family of God is they demonstrated the same gifting of God. The Holy Spirit also came upon them. And so they demonstrated and the apostles said, well, if they have received the same gift that we have, how can we deny that God has accepted them? I guess this gift of salvation is for everybody. We thought it was just for us, but it's for everybody. God is going to give his redemption, his salvation. The good news of Jesus Christ is to anyone who believes. Sadly, we become preoccupied with the gifts of the Spirit and not the giver. We become preoccupied with what the Holy Spirit does and not the Spirit himself. For he would lead us to Christ and Christ would glorify the Father. In the Old Testament it says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Not just one particular group, but all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what? Amen? Because that includes us. We also get, and as you go through the, the, the book of Acts, you will see the Spirit of God referred to over 40 times. Time and time again, we, we see how the Spirit of God came upon people and, and they served God in, in wonderful ways. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were gathered together in one place and there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty, mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were eating. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And that's what I referred to earlier. And now, O oh Lord, we read later on in the book of Acts, hear their threats, the apostles, the disciples were being challenged and arrested and threatened and coming under persecution. And they were now gathered again for prayer. On the day of Pentecost, the church was gathered for prayer. And the Spirit came on them. And now the church is gathered again for prayer. And they're saying, hear, O Lord, their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. When was the last time we gathered as a church and begged God to give us a boldness to share the good news of Jesus in Truro? As a church, gathered together waiting on God, waiting to be empowered by God, to serve God and to honor God. Stretch out your hand with healing power and miraculous signs and wonders that they may be done in the name of your holy servant. And after this prayer, the meeting place 
shook. Well, if we got the whole church together, I guess the place would shake. Some people say I'm afraid of coming to church because if I do, the roof might cave in. I think if you all came together for a prayer meeting, we might say the same thing. But certainly heaven would pay attention and would look and see a people who are committed to him who desired to see a work of God. After this place, the meeting, this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. And soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. And so on and so on we see as we go through the book of Acts. There was a teacher of God's word by the name of A.W. Tozer. And he made this observation. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on. And nobody would know the difference. However, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop. And everybody would know the difference. That is why we need to pray. That is why we need to pray. We cannot be on mission if we are not a people of prayer. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And the Apostle summarizes it like this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk on wine because that will just ruin your life. Instead, what? Yes. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you, he will empower us, he will empower this church with inner strength through his spirit, that we will be a people of God, a people empowered by God, a people serving God, a people hungry for God, who ask, who seek, who knock, and who go out and who shamelessly and boldly share the good news of Jesus Christ. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. And I've shared with you from the very beginning that this is what God has desired from the very Garden of Eden right through to the book of Revelation that he might be at home with you, that he might dwell with you as you trust in him. Then, as a result of your prayer, your roots will go down into God's what? Into God's love. 
and keep you strong. And through prayer, you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. And through prayer, you will understand and experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then through prayer, you will be made complete or mature with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Not from self-will, from self-help books, or from good intentions, but from God. You are intended to be a people of God, empowered by God for the purposes of God. That is what is said by the word of God. And so we say now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now there's an open door. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever and all God's people said Amen. Lord fill us anew with your spirit demonstrate your presence in and among us by giving us the joy and bringing glory to yourself by leading people to you that they might know your son Jesus and the eternal life that is offered through him, that they might have the gift of your Holy Spirit and be included in your family, that your church would grow as you promised. Lord, we want to be a church that is your church, empowered by your Spirit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. May God be with you.